Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it's 53,104. Point zero. Mm-hmm. There's dashes in between. So. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where we talk about numbers and how to say them right. My name is Tim Crisp. And this is my number seven friend, David Anthony. Mm-hmm. I would also like to say, um, you know, just set the record straight as old number one here. The song is 53104, not 53,104. We get that. 104. Mm-hmm. Hey. Mm. Hey, do you think? Do you think? We'll get into that. We'll get into it. Um, thank you for joining us this week on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim, and this is my friend David, and we talk about Alkaline Trio songs every week on our podcast, um, which we call the As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Um, on this week's episode, we're talking about the song 53104, which is on Maybe I'll Catch Fire, the band's second album. And a follow-up to God Damn It. And this is the second-to-last song. Mm-hmm. So what uh, what comes with second-to-last songs? Well, it depends on what's happening on the last one. Uh-huh. And the last one on this one is real slow, but then it gets loud. But before that, it starts slow. And so, it's slow for most of the time. And uh, so this... This song comes really nicely in between uh, She Took Him to the Lake and radio, and I feel like the tempo for that slot is done a great service by this track. I have always been really uh, fascinated by how I feel like it's kind of two burners back-to-back right at the back half of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is an interesting move. And the more I've thought about it today, I actually kind of, I don't know. I've always really enjoyed how this record is very difficult and doesn't do what records are supposed to do because everything, well, most everything, is very long-winded and kind of slower. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, normally you would kind of expect that to be more of the back half. And they really, you know, aside from radio, are really pushing that stuff up front. Like, mm-hmm. with Keep Em Coming, I would say, um, Fuck You, Aurora, Sleepyhead. Like, all those songs are, like, lo- long and take a while to get where they're going, and they're on. They're in the first half. Yo, but this song also takes forever, because yeah. it's the the exact same structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's funny listening back to it, because uh, we started talking about this a little bit in pre-pro, because this is a song that... I think we both have nostalgia for. Yes. Um, but I had an interesting experience listening back to it where I I think that I had been waiting for this one for some time doing this show. Um, and we've seen it a lot on our Patreon polls, patreon.com slash as you were. I always put this one up, up in the poll mm-hmm. and it always falls short. And so I think I've been rooting for it for some time now. I, um, I've um i definitely noticed the same thing, and it's a song that I've probably mentioned this about Maybe I'll Catch Fire a lot of the times we talked about it, but it's a record that I've kind of always flipped back and forth on until the last mm-hmm. few years where like I really felt like I 
like this is how I feel about it. This is when I enjoy it most. Da 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 da. But I think getting it as a kid and like really trying to dig into it, liking the other stuff I heard, it's it's this is like one of those songs that like I waited for on the record when I was growing up because I was like, oh, that song's so fucking good, and like it's like such a cool punk song. It's got that like it's kind of got a riff um in their way um mm-hmm. and you know i think it spoke to like a younger version of me where i think you can read the lyrics in a, a couple different ways one of which is you know like the whole like schoolyard freaks or da 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 and singing about like kids who are like weird and getting bullied and shit and it's like uh-huh. ah that's cool like it's the most it ever felt uh up to that point like they were singing about an audience that wasn't necessarily um in the same realm as them. Yeah. I always liked being able to read this song as like maybe a look back at something specific, or it's maybe something that Matt just kind of conjured up. It's mm-hmm. got such a cool tone to it. I think that yeah. the, um, you know, the idea of, or the image of like kids getting bullied in like winter months, you just really feel that and this is maybe one of the one of the songs that i think um is so evocative in a way that's really different than other trio songs where it's like it's not that he says something that like puts you in that spot it kind of really gives you a lot more imagination to work with like i always think of the same place but it's um it's all it's like kind of not specific yeah i mean i think that's what made it resonate with me like growing up where i did like him kind of referencing like the trains going by the stockyards like and i even just think like you know uh, so much of my early experiences with punk rock were like the geographical signifiers that people were singing about were Mm -hmm. not things that i knew like Mm -hmm. hey guess what i don't live near an ocean guys uh you Uh know or like you know just even the regionality specific to like oh this is where we surf and eat burritos and then the other side it's like this is how we get to new york city um that's really (laughs) the that's really the you know the two genders if you will um of (laughs) punk rock and then this song was kind of like oh like i understand that like i know what that like feels like like i know what it feels like to fall down on really cold frigid blacktop um so do i and i know exactly how to get to new york city too which is really nice i got to experience like yeah just a lot uh growing up but (laughs) um it is like it's a it's a really cool song i know that that's like a a, such a silly thing to say but it, it does have a really cool tone to it and I think that it it really kind of it serves as a nice like marking point or end point to some extent to this record, which I think Matt mm-hmm. really shifted his focus from God damn it, and I lied my face off to make things that were a little bit less direct about yeah. himself. It sounded like I mean this is a record that sounds like someone who is really thinking a lot more about writing songs and writing a record. And obviously you talked to, did you talk to Matt or why did, why do I just like blank on the fact that you did rank your records with, with Matt, right? Correct. Matt. Yeah. Um, 
and I remember that mm-hmm. um, specifically for Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Yeah, a yeah, yeah, Record that they did not have a lot of fun making. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird to me because I feel like I always got the vibe that they were not super into this record, which is weird given that like radio is like, as we've discussed, one of their biggest songs. Uh, so it always was, I was always like, oh, like, you know, why are they not like about it? Since we've talked about how like usually they have such a fractured relationship with singles where they don't hit and they like stop playing them, but like they have played radio, I would say at like 95% of shows since that record came out. Um, I think I've been at one, like the 5% where they've not, <laughs> um, because they play in Chicago and can get away with mm-hmm. that a little more. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think there was always for me, like I kind of rooted for this record because I thought it was it's so it, it's so unique in in their catalog. And unique can be good or bad depending on how you read it. But I think it's it's why it's interesting. And I think why this song is interesting is because like unlike the forced, not necessarily forced. That's maybe a bad choice of words, but the very um, specific kind of darkness he's digging into on his other fast songs, like. Uh, mm-hmm. Madam Me and Tuck Me In, right? Which are like I purely I am putting on my spooky cloak and we're doing a thing. Uh-huh. This one feels more like the songs on the record that are his long, kind of like somewhat textural, somewhat personal songs. And it's weird to me to like talk to him about it, and he was just like, "Nope, like not, not gonna give yeah. you anything on that one," which is strange um, because. I, I get it from a creative person's perspective when you don't feel like you have enough time to do something, to work on something, and maybe the process of making it is fractured. It's hard to look back with, you know, positive memories. But I have to imagine that in the process of making this record, they realized some of these songs were like, had some fucking magic to them. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that there's. It's been interesting looking back and like thinking about throwing this record together the way they did, um, because I think that what you what you do notice is that when you have a lot of songs that are just following the same structure, you can see that a lot better from an outside perspective and maybe with a little bit of distance. Sure, sure. So I think that this is. You know, maybe this is an example of, uh, you know, one of those songs where they were rushing to get it done. And so it was just like, okay, we do do this thing that we've already done a few times before in terms of structure and like, you know, having a, a bridge or third verse with, with just bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done it like they, they've just gotten into such a pattern with it that you don't even realize that like, oh shit, you've done this several times on this record already and so when it feels tired Mm -hmm. on the first song even when you got a song that's like clocking in at like 60% of the time that's going really fast it still feels like it's dragging yeah and I think that's the thing is like part of what I like about this record is that feeling that you are being dragged along behind the car you know yeah like I think I think one of the things that I really like about this record is it feels like the only time Matt was writing 
songs knowing he wanted to not be singing over every part of them. Um, and maybe that is just that he didn't have enough words or whatever the fuck or space to fill it. But when I think of a song like Keep Em Coming or uh, Fuck You Aurora, both of which, you know, take a while to even really get to a verse. Mm-hmm. Those riffs have always felt very memorable. I mean, I guess calling Fuck You Aurora, have it, saying it has a riff is maybe giving it too much. But it's just, it's, a, it's. A, I love the intro to that song. Yeah, it, it, you know, but it's a very simple chord progression, but it has a tonality. I would say this song, 5310 that first riff has always done a great job of hooking me. It's just mm-hmm. so quick. It feels like he was on speed trying to play a song he wrote and was just jumping from chord to chord way too quick. Mm-hmm. And it gives it this real. Um, manic kind of feel and it almost feels like glenn is playing behind the beat a little bit when i really focus on the drums Mm -hmm. um which i think again where with fuck you aurora i feel like you know you're just being pulled but this is almost like you're lurching forward a little bit and like yeah i i think you know i can also acknowledge the flaws of these songs which we will get to Mm -hmm. um but like I think it does something that's just so specific to where, like, on this record, you really see Dan coming into his own. And I think you see Matt trying to slightly figure out how to do something different, but make it the same. And then eventually he just kind of is like, well, fuck it. I'll just do the thing I know how to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's, I mean, it's a transitional record. It's coming out two years after Goddamn It, a year after, or not even a year, but like, Within two years of Goddammit and an EP release in between, that was also pretty massive um, in terms of iconic songs. Right. And you think about, like, the... I think part of the magic of Goddammit is, you know, some of the song structures don't make any sense. And they're not, like, deliberated over. And I don't think that he would have allowed a song like Cringe to come on this record because it's like there's what there's a verse and a chorus and then half of the song is just an instrumental after that yeah you can't you can't do that yeah it's like no i'm a songwriter now i can't do this well that's the thing it's it's really fascinating how if you look at god damn it and even his early stuff there is so much empty space on the back end of songs cringe 97 nose over tail and maybe I'll catch fire is where it becomes the inverse. Like mm. he's really leaving a lot of space up top. And like, I think that's kind of, that's a difficult play. And I think that's why this record can be difficult for some people. It's like, it's much easier for you to hit that kind of outro vibe spot after you've had the fun, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to like, be like, okay, well, what the fuck are we doing here? It's been a minute, dude. Like, you know, which, like, not that much time, (laughs) but, like, in the scope of a punk record, like, Mm -hmm. might as well be 15 minutes. Yeah, totally. It's it's so funny. This is, like, just such a cool record, I think, to, like, look back on. And, like, I I feel the same way as you having, you know, had oscillating feelings on, like, the record itself and how I feel about it. I think, yeah, definitely, like... Definitely loved it a lot more when I was younger mm-hmm. um, and then fell off, came back. And now it's just like kind of a cool 
like it's like a cool notebook that you get to yeah. find. And you just kind of like flip through, and you realize that, um, you know, I think I think it happens a lot with bands, um, and it's not even just a second record thing. It's just the here is a record that maybe was made at the wrong time. Like mm-hmm. maybe if it if it you know left half of what's on it and then shifted over and took the next five songs that came in sure it would be totally different i mean even if it had another three months to sit on you know mm -hmm. six months you know that stuff can make a difference in terms of just like being like this is cool but what if we chop this or or even working with a more heavy-handed producer or having a clearer vision to your point yeah, totally. Um, but I think I think that this is cool because we do get to see a lot of like, you know, that vocal line, uh, Matt Scott is so cool. He mm-hmm. he wasn't bringing in things like that before. And no. yeah, um, I think that the it, that's an interesting way that you referred to like the backbeat and the lurch, because when I think of being young and like going into school with my winter coat on, I'm tipping forward. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to like get through that. And this is to bring it back to the original point. This is a song that the 10-4 is a reference to bike messaging. And mm-hmm. 5-3 is a friend of Matt who is a bike messenger. And so this song kind of is cringe if yeah. you think about it that way. Because there's... um you know, a headwind and cold rain to wake me. Fucking cold rain is better than the snow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it almost feels like an, another seasonal take on that idea. And I mean, it. the iconic line of this song to me has always been the rise to fucking shine 7 a.m., which is like mm-hmm. really well done. And just like, yeah, he does a great job in the early part of this band at hitting on that thing that I think is really hard to express because he's not writing like fuck work songs he's just writing about that feeling of like drudgery of having to do shit you don't want to do and having to just kind of grin and bear it and suck it up and deal with it and it doesn't come off in the way that feels really trite or contrived it just feels like a natural like okay this is what it is here what we do blah 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 blah. and like he find it kind of finds interesting pockets in that i mean it's that's the nature of living a certain type of lifestyle for a while is you come to see it from a few different ways Mm -hmm. yeah and now it's like poeticizing your like messy life for your shitty band that you started in your basement and now you're poeticizing the fact that you still have that shitty life yeah. Um uh you just have to make a second record about it. Um unfortunately you're still in that basement, so <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing. It's like that life that you are a little more like when you're twenty one, twenty two and you're a little more like, all right, fuck it, like headwind, cold rain, fuck it, bring it on, I'm gonna crush it. When you're twenty five, twenty six, you start to be like, All right, I'm like really getting over this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm really hitting the wall with like you know, especially bike messaging in the city at that time, you know, this is not an easy gig. It's pretty Dude, dangerous. Bi- yeah, people who bike message into their fucking... I always say bike message. It's not... It's what, message? Nope. Message. Well, you? You message? Uh, um, that's That still feels wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think that's a word. They... 
those people look rough. They look hard. It's a tough they look job. <laughs> they look like they work in factories. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, like, you know, that's what I always, you know, as I got older, when I moved to Chicago and was actually, like, biking as my main form of transport, like, which I still do, you know, a, a song like Cringe very much. All right, where have you been biking lately? Freaking, come on. In circles, basi- basically. <laughs> um, but... uh <laughs> When I was younger, yeah, I had more of that, like, cringe, piss and vinegar, like, fuck it, I'm going to take on the world. And now it's like, when it's gross out and I have somewhere to be, it's like, this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. And after you, like, you know, get into accidents or whatever, or, like, actually, you know, that feeling of, like, slamming into pavement at too fast of a speed, it's like, mm, yeah, that, no no good. Don't like Getting this Getting too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. What do you rate this one? <sighs> That's tough. Uh, <laughs> if I were to be like dead honest, this is the only song I would put in a space where we've never done it and it will not be the rating because we don't do that is I would give it a 3.75 because we're talking about it. I do that shit all the time. Nah, I always settle on a, a half or a full. So uh, you don't do that. I don't see. So okay. So, but I'm going to give it a four cause I have fun listening to this song and I had mm-hmm. fun listening to it today, even though it's not perfect. I am going to give it a four as well, because I think this is one of the textbook to, textbook examples of pop punk that comes 10 years later, just says, all right, nope, fuck it. This song yeah. is a minute and a half. You don't need to repeat anything. Yes. So it's like it's like almost become this thing that you you listen with the knowledge that this is a different time just in the same way that when you listen to uh older records that don't have great production you're just like yeah that's just how it was yeah i mean i do think that's a good point like this is kind of an archetypal song i think in a few ways for what people would pick up and i would say maybe is uh outside of the like very octave chord laden stuff it's probably the closest thing you can get to like reinventing what they did um mm-hmm. but i also want to say i think uh it's very funny how this song is basically like what the uh stupid kid music video is about <laughs> in uh so many ways um they just had to make a different song about it i guess maybe those schoolyard freaks were being told hey you're just a stupid kid all the time maybe so Maybe you've got demon horns under your cap. Um, hey, this is our podcast. It's called As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. His name is David Anthony. He is. Uh, you can find him at DB Anthony on Twitter. He's verified. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Tim. And you're a lesser uh, known character. <laughs> and I implore and I implore all of y'all to listen to uh Life's Work, a podcast about Laura Stevenson's Sit Resist this week. Kicking ass over there. It's the best podcast on the planet. Um aside from my other podcast, Road to the Skeleton Coast, with Brandon Kelly, aside from this, my podcast with my friend David, who we just said one day, Hey, I got this idea. Nobody's ever done this before. No, and no one had. We're going to do a podcast that is just one song per album. And then I said, David, that's brilliant. 
And then he said, I know. And then I said, we'll call it As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. And we hadn't even decided that it was going to be about Alkaline Trio yet. But that's when we knew mm-hmm. that we had invented a genre. Yes, we and, created a thing. And I don't need recognition. I just need you all to be good to each other and to go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were um, and help us uh, help us buy cars mm-hmm. instead of bikes. Electric cars. Ah, uh, yes. Got to think about the future. But in the immediate future, next week, we'll be right back. <laughs> as you were Before we have cars, we will podcast. <laughs> Before we have cars, we will podcast and we will see you then. Thanks, brothers.